you, we give you praise, we give you glory. We thank you for your word that teaches us. And it gives us foundation. It, it not only humbles us, Lord, and we turn from our wicked ways, but it makes us strong, Father God, and it matures us into being in the perfect image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you praise for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. He's a, he's a chain breaker. Now, I want you to notice something. Some of the greatest songs that have ever been written have been written on the back of envelopes and, and grocery bags. My sermon is written on a napkin. I, I couldn't get a sermon together. And I've learned a long time ago that when you can't get a sermon together because God's got a direction he wants to go. And so I say, okay then, Lord, let's just go in that direction. Now, a lot of times... I'll start putting a sermon together, and the Holy Spirit gives me those sermons, and, and I always appreciate that, you know. But sometimes I don't get the sermon right away, and so then I have to wait on the Lord to see where he's going. So we're going to go the way that the Holy Spirit wants us to go today, not saying that we don't before, but this is, he, he operates this way. So let's run over to Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at 8, 9, and 10, and then we're going to go over to James, okay? And I'll let you know when we go to James, and then we're going to go to Ephesians 5, 1. But here in, in Ephesians chapter 2, and starting with verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. How many of you see that? So it's not the result of works so that no one can boast. Okay. Now in verse 10, I like this scripture verse. For we are his workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Does everybody see that? Okay, so, so I'm looking at this, and, and I don't know where to go. And I told, you know, I told Nancy last night, I said, I don't have a sermon. And she said, you don't have a sermon? I said, I don't have a sermon. So, you know, I read my Bible, and uh, I don't have a sermon. So I'm sitting there with the animals. Yes, animals, period. And uh, how did I ever get that way? But anyway, I'm sitting there with the animals, and they're, they're all sleeping. And Nancy's in bed. She's sleeping. And I'm sitting there, and I don't have a sermon. And so I thought, well, it'd come to me. And so then I just realized, I said, go to bed. You know, I'll just go to bed. And when I get up in the morning, God's going to start speaking to me. And sure enough, I just went to bed and rely on the Holy Spirit. He just started speaking to me. And what he started speaking to me was about works about the tongue, and about different things. How many of you here are actually actually praying? You, know, and you don't raise your hand, don't, don't do anything, but, but are actually praying for revival. Now, my brother and, my, and our two wives, we're going to do something on the 13th of December. This was more or less his idea. I just agreed with it. 
And, and Doris put it in the bulletin, be in prayer for a revival service, December 13th at 6 p.m., that pastor and his brother, Lonnie, are planning. Okay, now here's what it's, it's going to be. Do you know that you have talents that you probably don't use? You have gifts that you probably don't use. Maybe you have them and you used to use them. You don't use them as much. You know, when we get a little bit older, we kind of slow down a little bit. Well, my, my brother and I, God give us gifts. And, and the gifts that we have, the gifts for them is music, okay? Now, I, I'm, I'm the tail end of their music, okay? I, I, I'm not the guy that they are. I mean, man, they can sit there and pick that guitar and they can play that thing. But God give me the voice to sing. So I sing, they play. Now, who's the greater? Okay, I'm just, no. Okay. What's that? I still didn't hear you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I was trying to get a funny going, but it didn't happen. So I'm, I'm what's that? <laughs> Okay, great. And, and so, so we're going to try to take our talents. My son is a good preacher. Most of you in here have heard him preach. And so on that night, him and I are going to tag team a message. And then my brother and his son are going to play music. Okay. And so my, my brother is like me. He says, you know, there's a revival that we talk about that's not here yet. And it's a revival that needs to be brought to us from the Holy Spirit. Now, when you go back and you look at great awakenings that have taken place, they don't just happen. How many of you know there is a road that is laid for them? And the road that is laid is prayer. It really is. And then as you pray, then God starts to speak. The, the revival that happened in Pensacola, Florida, that lasted five years, and I think, what, four or five million people actually got saved, and there was extraordinary miracles. Um, we went for three days, and, and that they started off with worship, and the worship lasted two or three hours. And then, the, then there was, the, the message was at least an hour and a half, and then the altar work lasted. Anyway, church started about six or seven o'clock and wasn't over till two or three in the morning. Yeah, boy, some of you are going, whoa. Are you sure you want revival? See, because what happened was those people start praying two years before that revival took place. And here's what they also did. You see our banners? For two years, they'd come in on a Sunday night and they would kneel before a banner and then start praying that banner. They did that two years. They would say they would just take First Peter two nine and they would spread out through that big church and they would kneel and they would pray over those banners, say, God, we want it here. God, we want it here. And on Father's Day, the Holy Spirit came through that place in tremendous, tremendous power. Okay? The the Azusa Street Revival. I don't know how many of those, how many years it took for Seymour 
Pastor Seymour, who is a Methodist preacher, keep praying and keep praying. Black man, by the way. And, and when God came in there and just filled that the Angeles Temple, and it was called the Azusa Street Revival. It's amazing. When you look at Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, when you look at the Great Awakening in, in, in uh, North America, when you look at the Welsh Revival, when you look at all those revivals, it was people who started praying for revival. Now, here's what happened when those people started praying for revival. God showed them themselves. I, I use a proverb, and, and I, I started using it some years ago. And this proverb says that a soft word turns away wrath. So I decided that I was going to use a soft word and it would turn away the wrath in the person that I was talking to. Do you know that it didn't? But it sure did in me. It sure did in me. And so a soft word turned the wrath away inside of me that I didn't know was there. And so if you want revival, there's certain things that you need to do and I need to do for revival to take place. First of all, it has to start with the pastors and the elders. There's going to be a prayer meeting here tonight at, at, at Brother Pickerel's at five. It would excite me to see the pastors and the elders of this church at that prayer meeting. Wednesday night, we're going to have, we're going to have dinner. We're going to have dinner. We're, we're not, we, on the first Wednesday, Tom back there. I would be excited to see every one of you at that dinner. That would be exciting. How many of you getting a hold of this? So what, what's happening is, listen, you can't have revival on Sunday morning until you're worshiping and praising and in, in, in service with the Lord 24-7, seven days a week. How many of you follow me? I'm not rebuking you. I'm just trying to go out there and say some of the things for the Lord I need to say. Because I know that you want revival. I know you do. If I was to take a census in this church right now who wants revival, it would be 100%. I know it would be. But listen, when it, are we sure that we want to sacrifice what it takes to bring in revival. Because Lindell Cooley, you got to understand, Lindell Cooley, the praise and worship leader there, was there 365 days a year while that revival was going on. That's amazing. The young lady that, that, that sang, I'm going to run to the mercy seat, run to the mercy seat. And the God got a hold of her until where she was doing this and people made fun of her, but it was the Holy Spirit on her and she couldn't stop herself. There were so many people slain in the spirit that they actually got ambulances because they thought them people were sick. And the ambulance people come and they just get up and walk home. I understand this. It takes sacrifice. And you see, you got to say, you, you got to want more than just say, I want revival. It's got to be here. It's got to be inside of you. And so then what takes place in revival? The power of God to save. How many of you got that? The power of God to save. Because understand something. If revival comes in the way God brings revival, not the way man brings revival, 
But the way God brings revival, this, this barn here is going to be lit up like a fire. And when it's lit up like a fire, you're going to have to get out of the way because people are going to flock in this place. Everyone in my, that can hear my voice this morning, everyone sitting in a chair right now, you would be the preachers. Did you get a hold of that? You would be the preachers. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the word of God. Amen. And so we find a preacher is one who goes forth, not one that stands behind the pulpit. That's pastor. But a preacher is one that goes forth and gives out the word, gives out the word. And you, you, you know what you'd have to do? You'd say, we'd have to build a bigger building. I'm not for building a bigger building if you don't need it. To me, it's a waste of time. But if you need it, it'd be pretty good. Now watch what happens here in Ephesians chapter 2. Because I want revival. And I'm praying for revival. And I'm saying, Lord, use me for revival. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself it is the gift of God how many of you see that by grace you have been saved for by grace you have been saved through faith through faith it's a gift you did not deserve this gift God is giving you and what is the gift that God ha is giving you is the gift of grace. And the gift of grace is his son dying on the cross for our sin. And we have, have been forgiven of our sin free of charge. We haven't had to pay anything at all. It is the blood of Jesus that has been shed that covers our sins, literally washes us white as snow, takes our sin away. And listen, it is the gift of the almighty God. And what was the gift? That he gave his son to die so we might live. Somebody say amen. He gave his son to take upon his son our sin, and when he took upon our sin, then we were cleansed from sin, weighed, made white as snow, and God said, it's a free gift, and it's yours if you'll take it. That's an amazing thing. We did an exercise at the VA when I worked there. And they came in with $2 bills. And we stood outside of, I can't remember, Walmart or something like that. It was some mall. And we were stationed in different places. And we said to people as they was going out, would you like a $2 bill? And they said, no, and just keep on walking. And, and, and it was amazing. We couldn't give them $2 bills away because they thought we was lying to them. And somebody would say, yeah, I'll take that $2 bill. And they'd take that $2 bill. Oh, man, that's a real $2 bill. Then people come back and say, I'll take that $2. Nope, can't have it. You got one time. And they get mad at you. But, you know, you'd be surprised of people who turn down gifts, especially from our Lord. Uh, Tony Singleton's like me. 
if they send me a scratch off, shivy, I go get my gift. I know I ain't gonna, I'm not going to win all that stuff that they say, but they're still going to give me the gift. I'll tell you that. You know what I'm talking about? Scratch it off. You might win $10,000. You might win a television or you might win a brand new truck or something like that, right? So you scratch it off. And you know, ah, they ain't going to do nothing. Most people throw I don't throw them away. I'll go get it. Yeah, one time, one time Nancy and I, we, this years ago, and uh, we, we go to this place. And, you know, down in Branson, you know, where they want to sell these timeshares and stuff like that. And they give you this gift, you know. And so I just walked in there and I said, I want my gift. I'm not buying a single thing. And they're going, didn't I? I, I just walked in there and I said, hey, I'm Larry Gray from St. Joe, Missouri. Now I come here to get my free gift. I'm not buying nothing. And they said, okay, here's your gift. And we left. And my, my wife will tell you, I'm telling the truth. I'm not going to tell you one scam we did. Should I tell it? I'm going to tell you. We, we kind of lied a little bit. Here I'm a preacher. And so I said, hey, Nancy, want to wanna play a good game? And she said, what's that? And I said, uh, when we go in there, you act like you want to buy all this stuff, and I'm going to say no. And then you just say, I want this. And, and I'm going to say, no, we're not going to get it. And we went in there, and it said, take us for a ride and they took us for a ride through the whole thing and she said shoot we might buy two lots and uh i kept saying no and and she said is there anywhere you can get a camper and they said yeah we'll take you over there show you where the campers are you know and so we got in there and they said well are you interested i said no i just want my free gift <laughs> that's Henri. but it's a free gift god give us a free gift and that free gift is his son that died on the cross and washed our sin away. Listen to me. Hell was never made for mankind. Hell was made for the angels that had fallen from their first abode. You say, well, why does God put man in hell? No man is going to hell by God. He's going by his own volition. And what is that? Not receiving the one who died on the cross and not receiving the free gift of salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, so that you cannot boast of the fact that you did that. Now watch what he says here. Listen to what he says. He said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Workmanship. Listen, that workmanship is that Jesus is the artisan. And he created us and he made us in his image. And listen what he did. He gave us every single thing that we need to bring revival into a world that's lost and dying. He gave us his authority. He gave us his power. He gave us his name. He gave us his salvation. He brought us into the family of God. He said, you're my children. You're my heirs. He said, listen. He said, when you're in slavery, I adopted you you I have given you everything he said why have I given you that because I love you number one but I love everybody see it's God's pleasure that all men be saved how many of you know that that all men come to repentance every single one here comes to be saved 
It's an amazing thing. It's a gift. God said, here's a gift. I'm going to give it to you. And the gift had to come with the price. And the price was his son was to die on the cross. For God is the artisan and we are the workmanship that he has created. And he has created us in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Does everybody see that? And we need to remind ourselves, God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We need to remind ourselves of this. How many of you understand? We need to remind ourselves of who we are. Lonnie and I did a radio. Anybody hear that? Don't, don't raise your hands. I might be disappointed. But we, we, we did our radio program. And we was talking about. You know, that when we're weak, God, God brings strength out of our weakness. And that, that Paul said, you know, he says to the Lord three times, he says, you know, he says, I have a thorn in the flesh. Can you remove it? And God three times says, my grace is sufficient. And what was his, what was his thorn? He was buffeted by the devil. He was buffeted by the devil. You know, here's what I think. Now, I don't know what that thorn in the flesh is, and you don't either. But he said, it's a thorn in my flesh. So we know that it was hitting his personal self, body, soul, and spirit. But he said, I'm being buffeted by the devil. Listen, have you ever been buffeted by the devil? Have you ever just had the devil tell you that you're no good at all? Have you ever, has he just ever sat on your shoulder and taken away all your self-esteem? Has he ever just said things to you and all of a sudden you start buying into that? And then listen what Paul says. Paul says, then what I do is I cast those things down. And listen to what Paul was saying. He said, Lord, can you take it away from me? Can you, would, you, would you remove that? And the Lord doesn't say No. What's he say? He says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And Paul knew this. He said this. He said, my grace is sufficient. And it kept him humble. We need to be a people that is humble, that exalts God. Let me tell you what humility is not. Humility is not crawling. And humility is not begging Humility is when you stand up like a man and you look to the Lord and say, without you, I am nothing. And everything that I have is yours. Everything that is mine is yours because you gave those to me. Humility is when you look to the Lord and you start to praise him and say, you know what, God, I know that you're able. That's humility when we know that God is able. Listen to what the three Hebrew children do. The three Hebrew children stand before Nebuchadnezzar, the mightiest man in the known world at that time. There is no one mightier than Nebuchadnezzar on planet Earth. And you got these three 17-year-old young men that when Nebuchadnezzar built, uh, built that image of gold, and he said, when you hear the music, you will fall down and worship that idol. And those three Jews stood straight up. And they wouldn't bow to that thing. And that, and, and that king said, don't you know that I have you in my hand and I can do what I want? 
And that's what the devil tries to say today. Don't you know? And let me tell you what those three young men said. He, they said, oh, king, live forever. But our God is more than able to deliver us from your hand. But whether he does or whether he does not, we're not bound down to this thing. And so you know what? The Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, that sounds good. No, he heated up that furnace seven times hotter. Then he took those three young men and he threw them in that fiery furnace. And when he looked in that furnace, he said, did we not cast three men in, in that furnace? And they said, yes, Lord, we did. He said, I see the fourth man in there and he is like unto a son of God. Listen to me. He didn't know Jesus, so he said, a son of the gods. But it was Jesus that was down in the middle of that furnace walking among those men. Listen, God's grace is more than sufficient. Somebody say amen to that. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do. He's an artist and it says he created us. We're his creation by his workmanship. Wow. He created me. You know there's not another one like me and my wife says, yes. <laughs> but there's not another one like me. There's not another one like her. There's not another one like you. Isn't that totally amazing? Seven and a half billion people in this world, and there's not another one like you. Isn't that amazing? You know why? Because God is the artist, and he made you in his image. Now, why did he make you in his image? That you might be an imitator of him. Somebody say amen to that. Because, listen, all sons love to be imitators of their fathers. So that brings us to this point. Do you see how important it is in a family to have a father? Do you understand how important it is to have a mother? It's important, and it was God's institution that he brought, brought about because he created it, and he is the artist. And listen. Paul, when Paul writes the book of Ephesians, he writes about good works. But when he, when he writes the book of Galatians, he is against the works of the law. How many of you understand that? He's not against the works of God. He is just against the works of the law. And he's really not against the works of the law. But what they were trying to say was, you got to have these works in order to be saved. Mm-mm. No, you get saved. Then God gives you good works. But you don't get saved by your works. Because if you get saved by your works, that's the law. Here's what's beautiful about this. That when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he made the law obsolete. Paul says to the Romans, he says, the law became obsolete. And it is disappearing. Isn't that amazing thing? He says, listen, he says to the Hebrews, he said, God did away with the first in order to establish the second. And what was that? The new covenant. What is the new covenant? That you're not saved by works anymore. 
You don't have to go buy a lamb or a bull or a heifer and take it to a, 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 a human priest and say, make sacrifice for us so that it'll cover our sins. The Bible says that we have come into Christ. We have come into the holies of holies. And Jesus, the high priest, according to the, the order of Melchizedek, is ever interceding for us. He's our advocate. And listen, he's our high priest standing in there for us. Somebody say amen to that. So it's an amazing thing about this thing called grace. You can't work it. You can't do anything. But after that, God give good works. Now, why did he give good works? Why does he want you to do good works? So you can be rewarded. Those good works. So you can be rewarded. See, we're all going to stand one day before the Lord. Now, if you're not saved this morning, hear my voice. Because you might, this voice that you hear right, uh, right now might be the judge that stands when you stand before the Lord. If you're not saved and you die in your sin, you're going to stand at the great white judgment throne of God. And there's books that's going to be opened. And those books are all the things that you've did. Then there's another book that's going to be open, and it's called the book of life. And whose name is not written in the book of life, in the Lamb's book of life, is not going to enter into God's heaven, but is going to go into damnation, which is eternal forever. How many of you understand that? So if you're not saved this morning, you can sleep on me and you can snore on me and you can get irritated with me. It's fine. You can do everything that you want to do. You can turn your hearing aid down now. You can do it all. But let me tell you something. Hear my voice. If you're not saved and you pass away today, you're not going to God's heaven. How many of you understand that? You will stand before a judgment throne. It's called the great white judgment throne. Everybody understood that. Woke some of you up. But now watch this. But if you are saved and you pass away, you will stand, I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to stand there. If I had you wave your hand if you're saved, I'm going to get about 100% here. So here's what I'm going to say. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says this. Listen to what it says. And you and I will give an account for what we've done in this physical body. Whether good or whether bad. It can't be about sin because if it was about sin, we wouldn't be standing there. We would be standing at the great white judgment throne. How many of you got a hold of that? We're standing at the judgment seat of Christ, so it can't be about sin. It's been forgiven. Praise God. That would make you want to shout. Even the Baptist want to shout with that. And the Methodist says, Amen. Right? That, that ought to do something to you. Man, when you're thinking about your, you know what? It, a long time ago, people start running aisles. Don't do it no more. Somebody say, you're a holy roller. I said, not yet. <laughs> Remember when they called them holy rollers? Somebody say, you're a holy roller. I say, not yet. 
I miss Paul Noel. Paul Noel, whoo, man, he'd get to running. Remember that? He had that Holy Ghost jerk. Man, we're in there praying, and old Don there gets that Holy Ghost jerk. And then, and then we're in there praying, and, and, and Tony, get that Holy Ghost jerk. Man, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's just like electricity goes around that circle. Wow. See, here's the deal. We're going to stand at that judgment seat. And then, here's what happens. Then you will be judged, and I will be judged, by the works that God give us beforehand, that we should walk in them. And so those works are what's going to be judged. If they're precious stone, if they're gold and silver, and if they're precious stone, they're going to stand the fire. But if they're wood and stubble, they're not going to stand the fire. Oh, you're going to be saved. But you're going to be saved by the skin of your teeth. Job said that, not me. Somebody said, hey, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. But when those stand before the Lord who have been obedient to the works that God give them here on earth, listen to me. They're going to stand and God is going to bless them and we used to sing this song some of you remember it will there be any stars any stars in my crown remember that when at evening life's sun goeth down when i wake with the blessed in that mansion of rest will there be any stars in my crown there going to be any stars in your crown? Listen, here's, here's what is going on. God made gifts, I mean, works for us. So why? So why? So there'll be stars in our crown. But how about right here and now? Because here's what God says. I want to bless you, but I can't. I want to give you revival, but I can't. And why, Lord? And he's saying, because you're not stepping up to the plate. Why am I not stepping up to the plate? Because I'm afraid. Well, why are you afraid? I'm afraid of what people might say. I'm afraid of what you might call me to do. I don't, Harold, is Harold in here? He might call you, Harold, to go 365 days to revival. Isn't that amazing? He might say to Pastor Bill, you're going to be here 365 days. Does it mean anything to you? You see, I have to look at both. It's called double jeopardy because I'm going to stand before him. Now pay attention to this. And the works that are made for me from the chief artisan, which is Jesus, was made before the foundation of the world. No, you don't get it, do you? Was made before the foundation of the world. Am I walking in them right now? Am I walking in them now because I'm coming to an end of my life and I'm getting closer and some of this gray hair out here, we're getting closer and we're getting closer. Listen to me. Am I doing what the Lord set out for me to do when he created me before the foundation of the world? You didn't get that. 
when he created me before the foundation of the world. See, he knew who I was before I even got here. He knew who you was before you even got here. When he created me, he also created works for me. And why did he create works for me? I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to stand before the Lord. I don't know how much time I have left. You have not a clue how much time you have left. But let me tell you something. When that old heart stops, your breath is gone. You're going to instantly be standing before him. That's an amazing thing. There's not going to be a little bit of time. You're just going to go right to Jesus. You're going to go right to him. And he's either going to judge you as a sinner or he's going to judge you as a saint. Somebody get a hold of that. But he is going to judge this thing. He's going to judge you according to the works that you did. He's going to judge you according to the works you have not done. How many of you understand that? He says this. He says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm about done with this message. Thank you, Lord. Now, in James chapter 2 and verse 21, I mean, James chapter 1 and verse 21, listen to what he says. He said, put aside all filthiness. Put aside all filthiness. How many of you know, understand what filthiness is? It's filthy. It's things you don't want to be around. I know your dirt's cleaner than my dirt. Right? You go into your house, you go into my house, oh, I don't like their dirt, but you go into your house, yeah, my dirt's all right. It's still dirt. It's still dirt. Do you like going into somebody else's house and cleaning it up when they don't clean it up? We've been there, haven't we? We've been there. Yeah. He said, get rid of all filthiness. Now, I'm going to add to that. You say, you're not going to add to I'm going to add to it. Get rid of clamor and get rid of all the confusion so that you can see to get rid of the other. Amen. Now, if you're having a hard time with your house, it's easy. I got, a, I got a method. Clean one room at a time until you get it all cleaned up. Y'all try to clean it up all at one time, it'll make you crazy. Get you overwhelmed, you set your rear end right back down the chair, and there it is. I'm done. Clean up one at a time. Can you say amen to that? In your life, do it. Take it one at a time. Give it to the Lord one at a time. He says, listen, listen what he said. Get rid of filthiness. That's what he's saying. He's saying just get rid of filthiness. Now, here's what you need to understand. I want you to hear this. Sin offends God. He said, get rid, put aside all filthiness. Okay? And then he says, all, let, let me go over there and, and make sure I read it right. I can't even read my own writing. Should have had Nancy wrote it for me. James chapter 2. I mean, chapter one, here we go. Verse, verse 21, he said, put aside all and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. How many of you see that word implanted? That is a farming word and understand this is agriculture word. And what it means is implant the word of God. If the, if the word of God is implanted, guess what's going to do? It's going to grow. And it's going to bring life. It's going to bring, it's going to bring strength. It's going to bring uh, uh, God in, in a mighty, mighty way. Let me finish this up because I don't want to get boring. Okay. Humility. The church has lost its humility. I was listening to a big evangelist yet, uh, yesterday. 
and he has 20,000 people in front of him, and he never mentions Jesus Christ one single time. But he is a motivator like crazy. And he's telling all of those people that they're, they're a blessing, and they're going to be blessed, and they're number one. Let me tell you something. You're a blessing if you walk in blessing. You're a blessing if you know the Lord. But if you're not, if you're not saved, you're in trouble. You can have all the motivation you want in your life. You can do it. But let me tell you something. If you're not saved, you're in trouble. You're in a lot of trouble. And you, I know you take for granted because you're young that, that you got tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. Do you understand that this old, this old cliche, and it goes like this. Old people, uh, uh, young people will die, but old people must die. How many of you understand? Hey, but 2020 is a great year for all us old people. You know why? Because not one single person since COVID has taken place has died of old age. We've all died of COVID. Nobody's died of old age. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah. But understand this. Where, where are you at with the Lord? What's going on with you, with the Lord? He says this. He says, he says, he says, but prove yourself, verse 22, he says, lay it aside, but prove yourself doers of the word and not mere, merely hearers who delude themselves. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks in his, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. You either heard this message or you didn't hear it. And you're going to walk out of here and forget it. And I'm hoping that you don't forget it. But I'm hoping, listen, here's my prayer. Oh, I was talking to Larry back there and he shook my hand he said Holy Ghost is going to fall on you he said power of God's going to fall on you and he just started speaking into my life that was right before church started I, I, I received every one of them words I received every one of them I walked into this church this morning and I forgot your first name but she said I want you to look at this because she said we got missionaries in trouble and, and her heart was breaking for those missionaries. She said, man, we're going to get a hold of God for the missionaries. You know, we got people who are sick and, and, and we're standing in for them. Revival. I want revival, people. People, I want revival like we've never had revival before. I want to see God do something. I, I want to say, okay, God, take care of the missionaries. And instantly that word goes all the way across the oceans. And instantly God's moving in those missionaries' lives. Can you say amen to that? I, I, I want to be able to say, okay, I'm speaking it for Alan and Elaine Brose, and God is just saying, okay, right now it's going to happen. It's going to take place now because you spoke it. I want, I want God to move like never before. Listen to me, people. I, I'm not saying nothing. I'm tired of looking at empty chairs. I'm tired of looking at empty chairs when there could be somebody who's lost in them chairs and need to know Jesus. Can you give me a witness on that? Listen, I'm tired of just coming to church and saying, you know what? Same old, same old, same old. I don't want same old, same old anymore. I want God to move in a miraculous like he's never moved before. I Listen, I I am his workmanship created in him for good works. Listen to me. He didn't make me just to stand here and yell. How many of you know that? 
He didn't make me just to get a message every Sunday morning for this church. He made me that I might be a blessing to this world before I leave here. Somebody say amen. I have a destiny, people, and I want that destiny in my life to be completed before I leave this place. I hope you do too. And you say, why do I have a, a destiny? Because Paul said you did in the book of Ephesians. He said, God created before the foundation of the world good works for your life and my life. Why? That we might be a blessing to him and a blessing to others. Let's stand this morning. I want to see God move. I want to see people get radical again. I want to see God do something. Somebody say amen to that. You know, you know, you're so much better today than you was last week. And, and all I want to do, look, watch people. I want to just say, in the name of Jesus, be made whole right now. Everything gone. Because this, this, this man right here believes that his destiny is not done yet. And there's a lot of things that's taking place in his life. Listen to me, people. This man right here, you know what he said? I took his hand and he said, Pastor, I've been praying for you. And he said, I really have been praying for you. And he said, I want you to know. And he starts to speak into my life. And those are the things that's inside of me that I want God to do. I want, peop I want people to understand God will do these things. Listen to me, praise and worship team. You don't want to just stand up there and sing. But you want to magnify the Lord. The people come into him. Hey, listen, why, why do you have to coach people? on how to worship. Shouldn't it just be part of us? I mean, the Lord saved me. Shouldn't it just be part of me? You know, remember the Indians? Remember the Indians? That, that if, if, if you saved an Indian's life, that guy was with you for yet forever because he was just glad you saved him. Man, listen, God saved us through his son, Jesus. And we ought to want to worship him for the rest of our natural lives. Listen to me, if you're not saved this morning, give your heart to the Lord. Give it to him today. This little girl right here, give her Lord, what, a month ago? About a month, wasn't it? You give your heart to the Lord? And she's here every Sunday, praise God. I look for her every Sunday, amen. But my, my deal is I wanna see more than just one. I wanna see young people saved. I wanna see Young couples saved. I want to see people saved. I want to see gray-haired people just, young people just wanting to rub up against them. Young people, watch this. You need to just come and, and, and rub up against this guy right here. He's going to look at you and say, what are you doing? I, I told one young, young man, I, I told him, he, he just fell in love with Mitch Woodson. I said, well, then go rub on him. What? I said, go rub on him. We said, well, what's that? And I said, that anointing might just get on you. The Bible says that they took napkins and wiped off Paul's body. And they took aprons, man. And they laid them on the sick. Well, Paul's up there preaching. Somebody wipe his brow with a napkin. Take it. Go lay it on a sick man. Right then, that guy would be healed. Said one, when a shadow healed a man, brought him back to life. 
They took a man and threw him on Elijah's bones. Woo! He was a dead man. And they threw his carcass into the hole where Elijah's bones were. And as soon as that guy hit them bones, he'd come up out of there alive. You think that when Jesus said Lazarus come forth, that was just for him? He did that for a pattern for you and I. Say, come forth and speak the name. Why shouldn't I brag in the Lord? We brag in everything else that we do. So why, why shouldn't I be able to say, Al, Al and Elaine Bros, they're my friends. In the name of Jesus, come forth and be healed. You take Josh and his wife, Josh Faddock, I, I should be able to say, in the name of Jesus, let your marriage be healed right now in the name of Jesus. That's what God does. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. 